All right, welcome to According to the Scriptures. I'm your host, Eureka. I'm here with the second episode, and we got my co-host, Hudson, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Brother Bob Harbin. Uh, go ahead and introduce him, Hudson. Yeah, um, so Brother Harbin, he's... You went to Southside at one point, right? Yes, that's where I got saved. That's where I was ordained and sent out from. Okay, and that's the uh, church Eureka and I are from. Um. And yeah, go ahead, give a short introduction of where you're from. Uh, yes, uh, um, I left in 1980 to pastor a church, a small uh, storefront church in uh, a place called Dubuque, Iowa. And I was there for 34 years. We went from a storefront uh, to an old building. And then ultimately, uh, God gave us a beautiful $1 million building and uh, completely built. Uh, I was there 34 years. Um, and then the Lord called me into evangelism. I've been in evangelism the last eight years. So I have 42 years in the ministry. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's exactly why um, we thought it would be a good idea to have you on the, on the podcast. Um, and it's an honor, honestly, um, helping us as well this early. Not a problem. I can help young guys out. That's one of the things I try to do is, is to help young men out uh, and preachers and things along those lines. Uh, I counsel a lot of uh, young preachers in the ministry. Mm -hmm. um, you learn a lot, and it, and a lot of stuff's just not in the books. I got you. <laughs> they don't have it there. And uh, sometimes it's like, I don't have a clue what to do. Okay. And uh, so I try to help out with those areas. So with that being said then, um, us starting this podcast was kind of, uh, it was kind of like, I wouldn't say like on the spot. It, it was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not something like, foresaw in the future like a year before like if you just rewinded last year at this exact time and told me i'd have seven thousand people following me i hope like enough finances to have the podcast i would say you're crazy uh-huh um so what advice do you have like moving forward with this kind of thing well one of the biggest problems is as you become uh, bigger and bigger as become more people follow you and things along those lines you got to be careful it doesn't get to your head and you also have to be careful uh, in the second area, uh, and that's that you don't lose the message. The, if you've gone into this, you've gone into it for a reason. Don't lose sight of that. Whatever that reason is, you hold to that. Because that's, what, that's how God, if God prepared this, if God opened this up for you, then the reason he gave to you is a reason you hold to. Sometimes people get into things and, and it starts to be successful. And you start to see things come up. And then before you know it, you lose track of where you're, what you're doing it for. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Hold on to that. And uh, um, don't get caught up into issues. You, a lot of, and people will always try to do that to you. Um, I've had, uh, I spent a couple of years on the radio and a couple of years on TV. And that was people always trying to get, well, you need to deal with this. or You need to talk about this or you need to go. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to do what God directs me to do. And I'm going to talk about what God says to do, um, you know, and you got to watch that kind of stuff. So if I give any advice, that would be it. Stay on track. Sounds good. That sounds good. So now something we prepared to talk about today, since you're an evangelist, is maybe an area that you'd be probably familiar with, um, with evangelism. Uh, revival is a very important aspect to it. Um, so as an evangelist, we imagine that you would know fairly well about revival. You know, you go to a lot of places. 
that maybe doesn't have the gospel, never heard the gospel, um, never really think they know Jesus and don't really know him. And you're kind of bringing on this new light, which is what revival is. It's kind of bringing life where it's, it's dead. One of the things that uh, I saw when I was younger, and, and I paid attention to the old preachers, and one of the things that I followed after and with the older preachers is I looked at the ones who were successful in the work of the Lord. And I said, what does he have? That's what I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, several of the men who mentored me uh, were men who were very, very powerful. One of the things that's missing in our churches today is the power of God. Um, we're trying to we're trying to imitate the world. We're trying to bring in the world's methods um, instead of the power of God. We can't compete with the world. That's just all there is to it. They're good at what they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you go to Disney World, you go to Five Flags, or you go to uh, Sandusky, Ohio, Cedar Point. They're really good at what they do. Okay. When we try to compete with them, we look foolish to the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, we try to do the same same things that they're doing, you know, with the lights and the, and all that kind of stuff. But when the power of God gets in a church service, the world can't not, cannot compete with us. Right. And that's the thing that we need to get back to. We need to get back to simple preaching, desiring God moving. And that that's where real, revi real revival takes place. Uh, probably the greatest of all the revival verses in the scriptures is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people or called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I'll heal their land. It is it is the answer to Solomon's prayer, but it is a it is a verse that is applicable across the board to everyone who is saved. Yeah. And uh, um, if you take that verse apart you will see what God expects for a revival. You know, we like to go to Psalms 85, six, wilt thou not revive us again? Okay. okay so, so what is God's criteria for us to be revived? I mean, what, what is, what does he expect? Okay. So, and if you look at that verse that, it, that he is responding to Solomon's prayer and, and he says, if, and that's, it's a huge word. He uses that word. If, He's declaring that it's possible. It's also not possible. It's contingent on what's going to be said next. He says, if my people, and then he adds something that's strange, which are called by my name. Well, why do you say that? It's interesting. Couldn't he just said, if my people, but he added something on it, which are called by my name. So uh, questions are in, in my mind, who called him that? I mean, it's logical, right? If my people, which are called by my name, well, who calls them that? Well, the world does. So the first thing that in a qualification is, does, does the world recognize that we belong to God? Do they recognize? Is Can they look at us and say, that's Christian, by the way they act, by the way they talk, by the places they go to, that's a real Christian. Mm -hmm. This This idea that we can act any way we want and uh, almost a licentiousness amongst people is foolishness. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we have today lost our separation. We've lost our sanctification and we still think God's going to give us revival. Well, when you read the verse, you realize he's not going to do that. Right. Yeah. If my people, which are called by my name, 
I got you. And the first thing he says is humble himself. We actually touched on that a little bit on the first episode of like what it means to be a Christian. Like uh, we talked about, like for me, example, my my dad is is in the ministry. Mm-hmm. So before I was saved, it was kind of I was just Christian to blend in. I couldn't not go Christian as Christian by name, right? There was no way I couldn't go as not Christian because. Well, yeah, it's you. You were expected. That's the way it is. Exactly. So you, I was just more of a blending Christian. But you were raised in the culture, right? And therefore, you knew how to act the part. Exactly. And uh, uh, an old preacher made a statement to me back when I was 24, 25 years old. He said, "50% of the average Baptist church." And again, I speak from a Baptist church because I don't know any of the others. Um, 50% of the average Baptist church is lost. And that was back in 1978, 79. I would say today you're probably dealing with 60 to 70% of those who profess to be Christian are lost because they've been given a watered-down salvation or they put their hope in church membership, baptism, whatever, instead of in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think there's going to be a lot of them that are going to be surprised if they don't get saved uh, if they don't get saved, they're going to be surprised when they die and they face God. And he said, I never knew you. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Right. Have And it says there, have we not done this? And have we not done that? Yeah. And he says, I, I didn't know you. I've never known you. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get it and lose it. No, that's not what the scriptures teach. He said, I didn't, I never knew you. Um, our churches are in rough shape today. Very rough very rough shape. Um, There is an attitude of recovery amongst many of the churches trying to bring back some of this. Um, The issue with COVID that came up over the last two years gave a lot of people who were, I would call fringe. Okay. They showed up on a Sunday morning. All right. That was it. But COVID gave them an excuse to quit church. Really did. And so the average church that I'm associated with, they, they lost probably 15 to 20% of their membership. Okay. So that's a bad thing. It's terrible. No, it's not. It's not because there wasn't anything real there to begin with. Yeah. And that's sad, but there wasn't anything real. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're building a, a newer foundation and that is really making a difference. Um, and I, I'm seeing churches that are desiring to get back to, you know, like Jeremiah said, uh, take the old paths. Uh, and I see churches wanting to get back to that, get back to some things, uh, make some sense out of this mess. Uh, and our country's in a mess. There's no way to, to put it. But that's that's the condition we're in. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, there's this new movement kind of in the church that's like causing a little bit of a confusion is with becoming a christian it's kind of what a lot of preachers are teaching the bay is just like a mental thing like i just acknowledge it in my head mental assent is what they're making it right instead of heartfelt change exactly and i'm not actually living that way mm-hmm. and that's just fine to god like i i just accept i just believe it in my head and then go yeah on and about that's my life. And, and if you look at the the modern quote-unquote soul winning what they give you is uh repeat this prayer and you're okay yeah. And uh, it doesn't make a difference who it is. And they're Baptists and there's Bible church people. And there's a lot of other fringe groups, uh, you know, all across the country. Uh, but their salvation is it's terrible. There's no repentance. 
Mm-hmm. There's no admittance to the fact that I'm a sinner on my way to hell. There's no conviction. Yeah. Uh, because you have no power in the church. So I gotcha. the people in the churches don't have any power with them. Therefore, uh, you know, here, just, just repeat this prayer. You're okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, yeah, see, the Bible says this, you know, if you believe on the Lord, you believe in the Lord. Oh, yeah, I believe in the Lord. Yeah, wait a minute. Is this just an intellectual thing or is it from the heart? The Bible teaches that with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, not with the intellect. Exactly. And something we found interesting is yesterday we were doing devotional. Um, the teen, Hudson and I also got another idea to start like devotions Tuesday at our church with the teenagers. And we came together yesterday and we were reading a passage in Revelation 2 that you actually preached on um, with the church of Smyrna and Ephesus, I believe, is the two that we read. And something that stuck out to me when we were speaking devo- devotionals and we like share ideas and say what stuck out. Something that I found interesting is that Christ was associating their faith or was associating them listening and hearing what he's saying as obedience. Because at the end of it, he was saying, let him who has an ear, let him hear, et cetera, et cetera. And then he said, whoever overcomes will, and then it goes on. Most people don't understand that they look at faith and they think of it as some mystical thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Faith is real simple. God says it, I obey it. Right. Yeah. That's faith. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a place where I'm saying, okay, God told me to do this. His word declares that this is right to do. Mm-hmm. So I have a choice. Well, God, if I do this, this is going to cause this, 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 and it's going to cause me problems, or it's going to be difficult, or I don't know if I can, da, 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 da. Well, yeah. faith says, I'll do this. And Abraham, when you look at Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, it said he went out not knowing whether he went. God said, Abraham, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Go, go that way. Abraham said, okay. And God yeah. said, that's faith. Right. He just, we, we try to make it so difficult when God makes it as simple as possible it just yeah. obey. Yeah. It, it, it is a submissive of a submissive of the heart and obedience of the will. Right. I That's gotcha. all it is. And so when God tells me to do something, the question is, am I going to do it or not? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I cannot do it because of rebellion. I could not do it because of fear. I could not do it because I don't trust that he's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. When I left Dubuque, I pastored there for 34 years. Okay. And uh, I'd finally gotten to the place where I had a full-time salary. Things were going well. We had a nice building, uh, well-known within the community, da-da-da-da-da, all those, you know, all those you-have-arrived type of things. And uh, God says to me, he says, I want you to go into evangelism. I said, oh, don't want to go into evangelism. I like it right where I am. I'm doing fine. <laughs> this is good. I'm 59 years old. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I said, I want you to go into evangelism. So I prayed about this thing. My wife and I prayed about it for about three, four months, and it wouldn't leave. And yeah. I said, okay, I will go into evangelism if you will take care of me in evangelism. Yep. Okay. When I resigned in 2014, uh, I resigned in June. I stayed with the church till September to help them find a pastor. Yeah. Uh, when I left, I had one revival meeting. That's my whole cow. income. Mm-hmm. One meeting. Now, it, it I don't know how much they can see of me. I have not gone hungry. That's obvious. <clears throat> okay, well, don't touch that one. But, uh, <laughs> but it's amazing. All along the way, he supplied. He supplied. We went through a, a stretch from 2017 
2018, my wife ended up in the hospital. She had her hip replaced, an infection got involved. Mm -hmm. Terrible, terrible thing. She ended up yeah. in intensive care for 21 days. She was in the hospital for 63 days. Holy cow. Um, and uh, uh, rehab for month, two months, something like that. Unbelievable. In the in the finance, in the top of the office, this is my wife. You know, mm -hmm. we've been married now almost forty nine years, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't want to be away from her. Right. Yeah. And to the extent she coded twice, and we were told twice she was not going to live through the night. Mm -hmm. um, and that you got medical bills. Besides the fact that my income comes to preaching meetings. Yeah. Uh, all the way through that, God took care. Amen. People. Never ask anybody for a cent. People sent us money. Mm -hmm. God took care of us all the way through it. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I, I, when we got done with all that, I never had, I, I had no medical bills left. They were Amen. all paid. That's good. But to, just simply put, I said, I will do this if you'll take care of me. And he said, I'll take care of you. And he does. That's good. Yep. But he doesn't do it until you step out. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, at the Jordan with Joshua when they're going to cross the Jordan. If you look mm -hmm. at the text, you will see that the priest stepped into the water before the Jordan backed up. Mm -hmm. So they don't step in the water. It doesn't stop. Right. Yeah. That's you have to make the first step. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. That's the way God always expects it. So, and you just. You just don't see people doing that. So interestingly, with how you're saying it, so if someone is. Say someone is praying for God to give them more faith, because we know we always have to grow in that aspect. Is it really just the person asking God for more for more strength to obey them? Well, nowhere in the scriptures did I ever find anybody asking for more faith. Okay, that's the first problem. You ask for more faith, you're going to get more trials. Okay, so that's just not a good idea. You know, it's like uh, pray for somebody to love. Well, God says love your enemies, so you get more enemies. Uh, that's not a good idea. You know. Pray for pray, patience. Well, tribulation work with patience. Do I really want tribulations? No. Um, and it, it's a, the issue with faith. Okay, so uh, if I'm going to pray for God to increase my faith, um, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to face circumstances of choice. Am I going to go the way God says? Am I going to go the way I want? Am I going to let fear control me? I'm going to let my uh, uh, my rebellious spirit control me. So you got to be careful what you ask for. Um, you were to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow in faith. God teaches us that. But he has a course for us, and he has trials that he'll establish along the way. And uh, I don't need to ask for any more trouble. i got <laughs> enough trouble, you know? I don't need to say, oh, God, please give me more patience. You know, that's a bad idea. Right. <laughs> I don't need any more. In fact, in fact, I ain't real happy with what I got. <laughs> right, right, right. Dang, Hudson, you're, you're quiet over there. You haven't said anything since. Since the beginning. You've been asking uh, the main questions. Um, going, a uh, question I had, um, not related to what we have been talking about, is more related in the beginning. Um, but going off of revival, what have, what were the main things that, I know you, you go around to churches throughout the year. Has there, has there ever been churches that you've gone to and over time you've seen them kind of dwindle down? Um, mm -hmm. And what, what do you believe is the, Sometimes, and I've seen several churches mm -hmm. that were um, growing and going and are not anymore. Mm -hmm. And actually, I know of two churches that are not anymore at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Was there telltale signs beforehand? Yes. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, 
this is a result of compromise on the part of the people. Okay. Um, and then what happens, they become fearful and they get programs to try to compensate for the troubles they're having. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually ends up with a division. Somebody gets mad. People yes. get upset. This makes, in other words, God's not in it at all. Yeah. And that's what happens. The whole thing goes south on them. Uh, and yeah, and I've seen that. I've also seen uh, a church that did exist that the community closed down. Jobs left. Mm. And because of because of that, many of their people had to leave. Yeah. And uh, I know a church that used to run 110, 120 uh, in that. And that's good size. That's that's good solid principle. It was in a city of about uh, seven or 8,000. Mm-hmm. Well, the city now is about 800 people. Oh, man. The church is five. You know, there was no church split. There was no issues like that. Yeah. Uh, jobs. Mm-hmm. The, the city, and I'm surprised the city even still exists. Oh man, um, and it's uh, and that's the that's the way it's going. I mean, and there's there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah, and it was not a a situation there. It's uh, the two main companies left. Yeah, and then the community flooded. Uh, the whole area just flooded, and so oh, sometimes circumstances like that can cause those kind of problems I and gotcha. issues. Now, uh, back in the '60s and '70s, we had the uh, the mega churches. We have, mm-hmm. I have, oh my goodness, got to have a church of 10,000, 20,000 and all that kind of stuff. Um, and those were run like corporations. You, yeah. you had a pastor who oversaw several uh, assistant pastors mm-hmm. who took care of different ministries when inside the church. That's a bad idea. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Uh, a friend of mine pastored up in a place called uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And uh, his church would get up to 200. And he felt, okay, we need to start another church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you people are coming from a city 20 miles from here. Yeah. Let's get you a pastor and start a church in that city. Because of that, that church has started, I think, six or seven other churches. No way. And you know what? It's That church is still running. Yeah. 200 to 250. It's in its second pastor. Oh, man. Uh, and they've had 30-some men come out of that church go into the ministry. Amen. Incredible numbers but he had a philosophy okay this is as many as that i i feel i can handle we need to start another church he'd take a man out of his church he'd send 30 people Mm -hmm. and they go start another church and that was just but i i I think it's fantastic idea so with the you said that a lot of the churches had compromise with that was a big part of them like straying away or like dwindling down and i thought of this passage in second chronicles um I will read real quick. In Second Chronicles 15, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. If ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So that's a, that's a pretty scary passage, yeah. right? It's kind of a passage of warning where it's like, as, as long as you're with the Lord, he'll be with you. But as soon as you're, you're gone and you forget about him, it's likewise as well. So when, when does 
when does when does someone reach that point where it's well wow. you're asking God? you ask a question i don't think that there's a clear cut. straight answer uh -huh. generally it's a slow slope okay okay you get pressured to do this so you know people say well you know if we had this program okay we'll add this program and you end up with the the tail wagging the dog okay and then, well, we need to have this in the church and we need to have different, we got to have uh, more contemporary style music so that we can draw in the young people. And we got to take down our dress standards. We got we to gotta change our Bible to make it more understandable. See, it's just a slope that you get on and as you go, it just goes down. And the more, and the, and the, the, once you start down, the, it's, it, it's that proverbial stone rolling down the hill. Once you start, baby, it, you, it's hard to stop. And, uh, in the ministry and having experience in the ministry many, many years as a pastor, you are continually under pressure to compromise values and to compromise doctrine continually. Uh, pastor at Southside, Brother Wass, he's under continually under pressure. All preachers who stand for what's right are continually under pressure to compromise values, doctrine, uh, principles, so that well, we can get more people in. It becomes about numbers. We have associated numbers with godliness. And that's not true. Um, you look in the Bible, Jesus has got in his ministry. He preaches to 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. He feeds them. And he preaches to them. And when he's done preaching, he's got 12. And he looks at them and says, well, you also go away. And they say, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. So the idea that the uh, uh, numbers equate spirituality doesn't seem to fit with the Bible. Yeah. You know, he referred to us as a little flock. Um, he called his people, uh, you know, along those particular lines. I just, wow. I mean, it's just, it, it's sad. It's absolutely sad to see this philosophy come in that we have to have the numbers. We have to have the big buildings. And, and that's not. I think that's also something that was a little tempting to me when I started getting more and more followers on TikTok. Um, so in the TikTok community, their lives, like when you go on live stream there, uh -huh. a lot of people do debates. Like it's two religions, like clashing and a lot of blaspheming on both sides and, and whatnot. And that generally gets the numbers. You go into live streams like that, you have yeah, yeah. Conflict. numbers up. Conflict creates it. numbers. Exactly. So I was kind of, <laughs> I was tempted a little bit to like, you know, like in mine, it started off like maybe six, seven people at start when I was doing my own one. In the beginning, I used to join other people's where they already had a nice. Well, years up. ago, I was on the radio. Uh, and this is back in 85. Uh -huh. I did a radio broadcast half hour every Saturday. And the, the man who ran the Christian radio station, he said to me, he says, what you need to do is create conflict between you and the other churches in town. And then we'll have these radio stations and you guys can war it out with each other. And I said, look, I, I, I'm not here to fight with all them. My fight's with the devil. I said, that's who I'm fighting with. I'm going to preach the gospel. Now that offends them, that's their problem. And uh, so if they want to get upset about it, that's fine. But I am not wavering from my task. Uh, it, it, it's amazing to me. I watch modern news programs, okay? Uh, I don't care whether it's Fox or CNN or whatever. 
And it's like, who can yell the loudest wins, okay? All right, that's not a discussion. You know, it's just stupid. I look at it and I think, okay, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm done. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not trying to see what's right. We're not trying to hear point of views. We're just seeing who can yell. And, and is that what we've done? Is that is it, conflict? Uh, get all people watching. Yeah, let's them fight it out. Well, yeah, doesn't do any good. Does no good whatsoever. And uh, I've taken that philosophy, and I'm not in it to fight with a bunch of people. I got I got enough to struggle with the devil. Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to challenge me over it, I know enough of my Bible to put them in their place. And I've done that several times. And uh, uh, and I I'm not polite about it either. I don't care. I mean, if you if you want to come out and say, well, you know, you know, you believe this. I don't, okay, this is why I believe this. This is the verse. This, 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 and this. Um, my ordination took uh, three and a half hours of questioning by men who had over 150 years' experience in the ministry with a closed Bible. I was not allowed to open my Bible, and all I all I could do was quote verses. And uh, uh, three and a half hours, I think, in that period of time i think i quoted somewhere around 400 verses that was required that was not oh well you're great you quoted these verses no man that's what they expected and if i didn't do that they weren't going to ordain me and so uh so nowadays a guy submits a paper and says well this is what i believe okay he's good let's let's ordain this guy okay well what has he done right what does he prove uh-huh. you know who's he stood against and because i stood up in that issue and uh, faced those men and answered those questions now you know if i can face those guys i can face somebody out there I can face the Jehovah Witness. He's no big deal. Uh, and that's the way it's been with me. I, I don't, doesn't bother me. You know, um, I can argue real well. I'm really good at it. Yeah, I mean, praise, praise the Lord I didn't go down the route of just arguing and debating the whole time because maybe we wouldn't have the podcast because I went down the route of more, you know, just expressing what I believe is to be the truth and the way and, People ask me questions and not answer them. And that's that, that's the way it has to stay. And that's the way you need to stay. Mm -hmm. This this old book here is the truth. And what needs to be spoken is this old book. And so I need to preach that. I need to speak that. I need to declare that so it gets out. I don't need to spend my time arguing with somebody. And I don't need to spend my time arguing and fighting and yelling and hollering and, and whoever's the loudest. It's just dumb. I mean, it's just dumb. I'm sorry. Right, and, Paul, and Paul does advise us to... Stay away from foolish disputes. Yeah, you know, but, uh, uh, he tells Timothy continually, you know, uh, don't waste your time with these guys. And I'm, I'm not going to. They want to argue their point. Fine. Yeah, just go argue with somebody that really cares about you. And I'm not going to waste my time with this. He's being awful quiet over here. I thought he's your coach. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't yeah. know. He's not talking much. I'm know. just, I'm just thinking. taking in the discussion. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just agreeing a lot. Yeah, uh, he's over here nodding his head. Yep. Oh, we got. Oh, you got you on film. It's, it's just nodding your head. Yep, you don't have to switch over to me at all. <laughs> We're barely Back gonna to... be switching into him. We're switching into him like twice in the podcast. Hi, yep. yep. how you doing? Switch over. Just make sure I'm here. So what, 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 what do you have to ask? Um, Back to the main topic of revival um what what are, what is your stance on revival i guess what what do you think that oh this is the umbrella of revival i think that first of all i think revival can happen again i mm -hmm. think it can happen in our churches 
Mm-hmm. And I think if it doesn't happen soon, we're in real trouble. Yeah. I also think that most people don't realize that revival is not a campaign. Okay. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of time studying revivals, mm-hmm. past revivals. What, 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 what happened? What were they? And you know what? You know what I discovered? It was usually a couple of people mm-hmm. whose hearts were broken over sinful conditions. Yeah. In one case, uh, it was over the conditions of young people yeah. in, the, uh, in the Hebrides. Uh, and uh, back in the 50s, 1950s, uh, there's a couple of women who got out and every morning went out and prayed together, mm-hmm. broken hearted over the young people. And before that w- was done, a, a preacher came in and they, they had prayed for this preacher, a man named Duncan Campbell. Yeah. They came in and turned that area upside down. Thousands and thousands of teenagers got saved. Amen. Made a huge difference in the dance halls turned into, there's one experience and uh, I heard the lady who was one of them. Yeah. They were at the dance hall, all these young people there at the dance hall. And uh, she was there and said that Duncan Campbell was outside praying. They got under conviction, serious conviction. The music all stopped. They all began to weep and cry. Oh, man. And it came in and they got saved. Amen. And it changed the whole complexion. Mm -hmm. Revival is started by somebody or some bodies whose Mm -hmm. heart is thoroughly broken over the sinful condition of where they're at, their society, their church, whatever the case might be. And they've given their heart to that in prayer and asking God to lead. Mm-hmm. And then I find that generally along the way, God will give a, give that those people a preacher. Okay. And that preacher will preach with the power of God mm-hmm. and move upon the hearts of the people. And that's what, that's usually how you find it. But mm-hmm. uh, some of these so-called modern, they had the laughing revival that came out of Toronto probably 10, 15 years ago where the preachers would stand in the pulpit and laugh and all that. And, and, well, I hate to put it this way, but it was a joke. Okay. Yeah. It was stupid. It's, that's not revival. Revival changes communities. Okay. Changes the hearts of people. It closes down bars. Mm-hmm. It causes drunks to get right. It causes the dope addict to quit. It, 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 it's effect is huge. Yeah. Uh, but it starts with somebody whose heart is broken over the sinful condition mm-hmm. and is willing to give their life to see that change. I got you. So a lot of, a lot of campaigns, you mentioned campaign early on. Um, a lot of campaigns, they kind of started like the point campaigns, crusades, their point was kind of to start a revival. Yes. To bring a revival. And interesting enough, when you was, you were starting off your explanation, you said revival is not campaign. So, what do you, well, why do you say that? Because campaign- the revival is a movement. It is a, it is a movement of God mm-hmm. through, through, first of all, his people into his churches. That's where, that's where the, he moves that way. He has a, he has an effect that way. The idea of establishing a campaign, and there was one just out, oh, five, 10 years ago, um, uh, people going around with the campaign Revive America. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You see any revival? Nope. No. Because it's not a campaign. 
I got you. It's a move of God. I mean, God has to be in it. And that's, we got to get him in it. And when God gets in it, he can do amazing things. Yeah. We've gotten to the place where we don't believe God can. You know, we, we've, we've restricted God to physical things. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's still a God of miracles and he loves yeah. to do the impossible. Um, he just wants people who will believe that he will. There's a statement made about Jesus when he went into Nazareth. It said he, he, he did not many miracles because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. And I wonder sometimes if the reason why we're not seeing anything done is because our, their, of our unbelief. Okay. God's still God. He's still the God who parted the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Say, well, he can't do that again. Why not? Isn't he God? Yeah, it's true. So what happened? Well, we don't believe he can. Uh, but he can. Yeah. And that's the problem. Our sight is physical, not spiritual. Mm-hmm. We don't see things spiritually. So do you think campaigns then with how it initially started and how it is today, they lost that element of having God's movement and it's more of like a brand? Well, it... it stand or? I don't know what to say about it. I really don't. I watched it. I watched it go on as it took place. And I thought, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You say why? I don't see it in the scriptures. Mm. Makes sense. That's basically, mm-hmm. kind of, it just isn't going to work. Uh, you, you lose sight of it, the things more than anything else. If, if real revival is the presence of God moving in the hearts of people. Yeah. It's not about some showy campaign. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. I, I, and I, I, now, I have been in church services in my lifetime uh, at this church here mm-hmm. where God has moved in incredibly. Yeah. Uh, I was the first person saved uh, in uh, July of, of uh, 1978. Mm-hmm. We had 35 more people saved after me. Holy cow. In that service. We raised an extra $27,000 for that property. Oh, man. Services lasted till three in the morning. Oh, yeah, I think I heard about that. I've seen it. I've been where God has moved. I've watched these particular things. And mm-hmm. uh, I had the opportunity. Uh, I was listening to a, I went to a, a revival meeting, and this preacher got up there, and he's bragging about an hour and a half invitation. Okay. So how he how he led this hour and a half invitation. Well, right away, as soon as you start bragging about something like that, yeah, you know that it's not God, but it's you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after the services, I went up there and he said to me, he says, uh, he said, You ever been in an hour and a half invitation? I said, uh, yeah. You have? I said, Yeah, I was saved in a 13 hour invitation. Mm-hmm. 13 hours? I said, Yep. It lasted 13 hours. Oh man. Incredible. Nobody wanted to go home. Finally, the pastor said, it's time to go home. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. He got tired. Yeah, he was tired. He said, Y'all need to go. We don't want to go home. Yeah. Nobody wanted to go home. I mean, it was it, it was an incredible event. And and we need to see this. And, and not exactly those same things again. Yeah. That's the God. You know what you find? Go through your Bible. You don't see God doing the same thing twice. Yep. He's unique. Uh, you know, he likes to do things differently. And so 
we need to see God do something now, but it isn't going to be what we program or expect. Mm -hmm. So what is it? I don't know. But sure, be great to see it happen. Yeah, I'm not. I don't care if I'm the preacher. I don't. I want to just be there. Yeah, that's all I want. I just want to see it. Mm -hmm. I want to. I want to be. There is nothing like being in the presence of God right. and having His Spirit move in a place. It, it, it'll convict you about anything you're doing wrong. It, it, it will enlighten you. It will move upon your heart. And uh, first, it'll bring you to your face. Yeah, you go in the scriptures. Everybody who get in the presence of God on their face. Okay, yeah. These guys who said, "Oh, you know, I looked at, I looked Jesus in the eyes." Oh, no, you didn't. No, no, no. I don't know what you looked in the eyes, but it wasn't him. Because if he shows up, down you go. Yeah. I mean, that's all there is to it. From the Old Testament into the New Testament, it doesn't make any difference. You know, yep. it's all the same thing. And uh, um, but it, it's just an absolutely fantastic to be a part of it to watch the power of God move and watch God change people. Yeah. Because that's who, what God cares about. He cares about people. They don't care about all this nonsense we got going on, all this society and everything like that. And mm -hmm. Gas prices don't mean anything to him. Right. Okay. Yep. He cares about people. And his desire is that we reach people. Mm -hmm. So some important that I found is yesterday while you were preaching, um, and you said that I forgot what was his name, Asaph. Asaph was his name. Doing the Psalms. Um, Asaph. He said he didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to speak out on how he was feeling because of the youth. So we know the youth is like the upcoming generation, and of hearing the older folks, they say that every generation that goes by, the godliness goes down. Um, yeah, I hear that said. So how do we how does youth bring a revival or the Christian youth come with a revival? Because it's also kind of in part of with the other person realizing that they're a sinner or realizing that God is holy. So the issue uh, the issue about the next generation is going to be less than the generation before it is not a scriptural statement. Yeah. If you look back in the Old Testament, you will find that the children of Israel are in the wilderness. And that generation died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Okay. That's what the Hebrews tells us, okay? It was the next generation that crossed over and fought the wars. So it was actually the second generation that took the stand, not okay. the first, okay? So the idea that it has to go or it, it's going to go downward is not true. But what there has to be is uh, young folks need to get a hold of God and to put God first in their lives. They have to say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to follow my course. I'm going to follow your course. I'm going to go the direction you tell me to go, whatever that direction is. Uh, I mean, I would say, well, I, I, he's going to he's going to send me to Africa as a missionary. I don't know why that feeling is that everybody who who is going to surrender to God is going to end up in Africa as a missionary. I don't understand that. He doesn't need them all in Africa, you know. And he's not going to make everybody a missionary simply because who's going to pay for him to go? Yeah. Okay. He, God wants doctors. God wants lawyers. God yeah. wants God wants statesmen. You know, God wants all of that. He has a course for your life, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the question is, you're going to go that course. Yeah. And if if uh, I decided this when I was 22, this is the way I'm going to go. This is this is so I was young. Mm -hmm. Okay, I count 22 as young. And uh, um, 
and I made that decision. And that has brought me to this place now. Okay. So now 45 years later, mm -hmm. here I am. And I will tell you, it's the greatest journey of all. It is just fantastic to, I made that decision. I'm going to go where the Lord tells me. I'm going to follow him to the best of my abilities. Uh, and I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do accordingly as he instructs me. And I'll tell you, it's the greatest life. I have seen so many things. Yeah. I've watched so many things take place uh, and, and, and had the opportunities to go here, there, and everywhere. I, I'm invited uh, to go all over the world. I don't like to. I don't want to. I really yeah. don't like leaving the United States, personally. Mm -hmm. um, this is where my burden is. This is my place. And besides that, I have a hard enough time with English. I don't think I'm going to learn anybody else's language. <laughs> <laughs> just, eh, I think Spanish might be a good idea in the United States now. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's just incredible to me, the life that now I look at it. And, and here's the thing, okay? Um, you take the average 67-year-old who has gone his own way and he's partied, he's drunk, and he's smoked, and you put his physical body up against mine, and I'm in way better shape. I mean, I look younger. He looks like he'd been rode hard and put up wet, as the old statement goes. You live that life, you suffer the consequences of it. Yeah. And uh, and I know that from my own family. Uh, I have lived a very good life. Mm -hmm. And and do I have a, uh, some regrets? Yeah, some mild regrets, some small regrets. But as far as the life itself, I wouldn't trade this. Yeah. This is, this is great. Um, I have friends all over the world. I told my youngest daughter, I said, you know, I said, being a preacher's kid, and you have the experience of being a preacher's kid, you know, you think, oh, it's a bummer being a preacher's kid. You got all these rules and all this other kind of stuff. And I tell her, I said, you know what? You could go anywhere in the world. Yep. And if something were to happen, you could call somebody up and say, I'm Bob Harbin's daughter. Will you exactly. Help me? And they will. Right. Just because of the life I chose to live. Right. Yep. My daughter went down to Oklahoma City. We, I was pastoring up in Dubuque, and she was at Fifth Avenue Baptist Church yeah. in Oklahoma City doing uh, FAA. Uh, she's a, a crash investigation individual. She does that. Mm -hmm. She can do that. She's qualified to do that. And uh, she was at a church there. I didn't know the pastor. I knew the doctrinal statement, and that's why she, she attended that church. And on Wednesday nights, they through the summertime, they had a new missionary in every, every Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So the new missionary would come in, and, and he would speak, and he would present his field like they do. And afterwards, the pastor would uh, have the missionary stand in the back, and the pastor would introduce church members. Yeah. And, and people as they left. And then he introduced my daughter, Beth. I said, this is Beth Harbin. The missionary would say, is Bob Harbin your dad? Said, yeah, that's my dad. Yeah, I heard him preach such and such. And yeah. Oh, okay. The next week, the same thing. The next week, the same Glory thing. God. After about five weeks, the pastor <laughs> said, who in the world is your dad? <laughs> Every one of these guys know him. Right. And uh, because it, it just is, there's, there, there is a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... There is a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really. Yeah, I think. That's, yeah, I think that's also overlooked. Before I was, I was also Christian. Mm -hmm. That was something that was kind of overlooked. One being growing in a Christian home, just in general. Yeah. With the Christian morals you grow up with, definitely protects you more than when you see out there. I mean, you see, see a lot of youth like coming mm -hmm. up all the way through our high school. Someone's daughter is pregnant. Yeah, 15 years old, 14 years you know old. Yeah. So it's kind of like 
I didn't realize how much those boundaries were actually yeah. like protecting me just on a secular level. There's an old statement. These are not, these are not chains. I see. I, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'll try to get it right. Mm -hmm. I thought they were chains to hold me, but they were fences to protect me. Makes sense. And it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, really is. I didn't grow up into that kind of a culture. Uh, I've sought to tr create that culture from my own family. Uh, but it, it is, it is really different. It is, it is an, to, to live in the Christian home and to have that opportunity. Another thing is, okay, I, I go into another place and, you know, I, I go into someplace else and I meet somebody I've never met before. Yeah. Don't know them. And within a few minutes of talking and conversation, it's like we've been friends for life right. because that are, there is a spiritual bond. Yep. It supersedes the physical bond. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, we are family. All of us who are saved are part of the same family. Yep. And uh, and family members have an attraction to each other. We mm. may argue with each other and fight with each other, but we still have an attraction to each other. Yeah. And I think that's something that we need to continue to cultivate and to work on to realize that this is this is good. The issue of real revival, I hope we have it. Yeah. I think we still can. Uh, depends if people let God get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we will though. Where where scripturally, like off the top of that of your head, where what would your opinion be of the biggest or best revival talked about in Can I guess? The Bible. I'm gonna take a guess of what you said. Nineveh. Go ahead. What Nineveh? Nineveh was not revival, it was evangelism. Ah. <laughs> we were talking about this at work and he was hitting Nineveh and I was like now, I think you, you said something. Elijah, you yep. Elijah. Mount Carmel. I did That's say Elijah a, second. He did quote that second. I said Elijah I like, second. Okay. I said Nineveh, then I said Elijah. It, when you look at it, what's interesting about the story of Jonah, people get the story of Jonah confused quite often. Mm -hmm. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, and he wouldn't. You know why he wouldn't go? Because he hated the Ninevites. Yeah. He hated them. He wanted them all to die. And he figured, and so finally God got a hold of him, obviously, and uh, Jonah goes goes to Nineveh and he preaches. And you know what they do? They repent and get saved. Amen. And so God doesn't judge. And you know what Jonah does? He gets on the side of a hill and he pouts. Yeah. He gets mad. And he and you know, God comes to him, he says, and God makes a statement to, to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? Mm -hmm. I mean, we we've got a whole city who just got saved. A whole yeah. city. We're talking, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But he's mad. Yeah. He's mad. Boy, I'll tell you what. You say, well, well that's a real spirit-led prophet there. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. And God just says to him, doest thou well to be angry? And you know what Jonah says? He said, I knew you were like this. I yeah. knew it. I knew if they repented, you'd forgive them and you wouldn't destroy them for all their past. Yep. And God says, yeah, but all these thousands that don't know their right hand from the left hand, all those babies. Mm -hmm. You know what? God is... People don't realize the God of the Old Testament is just as merciful as the God of the New Testament. He's yep. the same God. And Jonah knew it. Jonah said, I knew you were like this. I knew you wouldn't judge them for their sins. I knew you would forgive them. Mm -hmm. That's because he's God. He's always the same way. But Nineveh is evangelism. Mm -hmm. Okay? The whole city gets saved. Incredible. Ha, well, I would have loved to have been the preacher for that. I, hey, I'd have gone with that. Man, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, you would have gone and yeah, 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 Jonah, Jonah blew it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but the 
the greatest revival, as far as I can tell, lasted one day. One day. Elijah at Mount Carmel. The whole nation turned back to God. And then Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And he left. Hmm. And it seemed like the revival petered out hmm. because he let his fear. And that's why God, God said to uh, Elijah, what doest thou here, Elijah? Mm-hmm. When Elijah said, well, she's going to kill me. I, I tell you, God, it's enough. I've done enough. I'm the only one. I, just kill me. Well, if you'd have stuck around, Jezebel would have taken care of that. Right. Yeah, she'd have yep. done that. He didn't want to die. He wanted to feel sorry for himself. That's what it was. He wanted to feel sorry for himself when God said, you know what? It's just not right, Elijah. He said, I got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Yeah. He said, now, this man's going to replace you in your ministry. And this guy's going to replace the king of, of Israel. And this guy's going to replace the king of Damascus. And he says, so you need to go take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so you find him doing that with getting Elisha to be the man who's going to replace him. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. You know, from 1 Kings 19 to 2 Kings 2, you don't see Elijah's, Elisha's name mentioned. Okay. You know how many years that is? A lot. It's 12, 15, it's 12 to 15 years. Holy cow. Most people don't realize for 12 to 15 years, Elisha washed clothes, made dinner, and it actually says he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Mm-hmm. For 12 to 15 years, he followed him around. He's just yeah. in the background, just yeah. shadowing. Yeah. Just watching. He was his servant for all those times, mm-hmm. being taught, being prepared, being trained. And now we send a guy off to Bible college. He spends four years in Bible college. We think he's ready for the ministry. He has no clue. <laughs> you know, and you go, oh, man, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is actually an important element because you see a lot of yeah. people come um, and want to jump into the ministry immediately, just want to get into it. And yeah. don't realize how long, you know, some people took in the Bible before they could go off. Moses took 40 years. Joshua, yeah. 40 years under Moses. Right. Yep. That's long time that's a Definitely. long time so that's, a, that's, a that's quite the training period <laughs> a lot longer than four yep you know even the disciples spent three and a half years mm-hmm. yeah you know uh and, and and they also had spent time with john the baptist probably six months somewhere yeah. along those particular lines john the most people don't realize that john the baptist's ministry lasted anywhere from nine months to a year okay his whole ministry mm-hmm. that's how long it lasted he came yeah he came on the scene uh, he preached, uh, great crowds. He started, he started six months before Jesus showed up. There's a reason for that. John, John the Baptist, who was of Levite descent, uh, a Levite starts his ministry at 30. Mm-hmm. That's when John started. I got gotcha. you. He'd been off and trained by God, dealt with God, and he came out and started his ministry at 30 years old. And by the time he was 31, he was dead. Oh, no. He already cut his head off. People don't realize they wow, you know, John was he was around a long time. No, not really. <laughs> I didn't notice that, yeah. yeah. If you're reading it, if you're just reading it seemingly, it seems like he's just been around Dude's for a just while. been there, right? yeah. yeah. He's been around here 20 years. No, he's not. No, he's, not. he's been around there for nine time months. Time. Nine, nine months. That's it. Oh, but, man. Uh, uh, so it, it, it's interesting what God can do. You know, we, we don't allow God to use our lives and to do with our lives. Uh, and this is where we're at. This is the problem we have. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, it's about time for me to go home and get busy on my stuff. All right, all right. I hope that this is, uh, I've enjoyed myself talking with you. 
Thank you for talking with us. I hope this has been helpful for you. Much appreciated. And uh, have fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to stick up and, you know, stay tuned. I'm going to check on you. The Lord, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about TikTok or blogs. <laughs> like One of my daughters will have to do it for yeah, me and, and, and ship it to me and, and tell check me. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, my, my one daughter says, Dad, you ought to get a blog. You know, as much as you talk, you ought to get a blog. I said, that sounds like a good idea. What's a blog? <laughs> I have no idea what a blog is. <laughs> uh, I'm in the generation that uh, mm, something goes wrong with my phone. I call my uh, 10-year-old granddaughter and say, how do I fix this? That's <laughs> what my parents do. That's huh? what my parents do. It's uh, let me say this to tracks. you. Though. You may know a lot more technology, but that don't make you smarter. Mm-hmm. Don't for- yep. Never forget that. That's you know? true. Uh, age has its wisdom and uh, its experiences. So mm-hmm. don't forget that. We may not know how to operate a computer or, or a cell phone or a lot of the other technology. <laughs> things. You know, uh, Siri Siri doesn't seem to like me. I don't know what the deal is with me and her. We just seem to fight a lot. I don't even but, use her man, anymore. Me neither. I, I just use Google. Yeah, you guys have probably moved on to something else. <laughs> we found the better thing. I haven't figured her out yet. You know, I, uh, she, when I ask her, I say, hey, Siri, she, she goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't even, even say yes when I help you. She's like, mm-hmm. And like, okay, what it's do you want English now? You gotta, <laughs> new English you got to catch up on. I give you a hard time. <laughs> Fellas, thank you very much. Of thank course. you so much. I appreciate having you on, Brother Bob Harbin. Um, yep. And this is it for the According to the Scriptures. This is episode two. Thank you all for listening. Um, thank you guys for listening. Tune in for number three. All right. All right, all right. Fellas. Is he enough? Hudson? Eureka? I'm off. All right. All thank, right. thank you. Thank you. Oh.